Every week there's an email that goes out um, from Valley. Uh, I say every week, most weeks. Um, more so now that Cindy sends them rather than me sending them. Um, an email goes out each week uh, inviting one of you to be a part of doing our children's blessing, as Jackie did this morning. Um, and Jackie, thank you for doing that. Uh, when it goes out in that email, it's a, it's a form email. If you've been asked more than once and you didn't notice that you're reading the exact same email, you're reading the exact same email. I wrote it several years ago, and uh, since we started doing it, we've continued to use the same one because we think what it says is important, and also because in it, there's a link. There's a link to an article um, called The Neglected Power of Blessing. And I'm not sure how many of you actually ever read that article when we send it to you or when you get that link or have ever even noticed that there's a link to an article in there, but it talks about blessing and what happens with that and the power of what happens when we speak words of blessing over others. It's a reminder to me every time that I look at it of that power, of that incredible force that can happen when we Speak words of blessing over others. And the focus of the article is actually speaking words of blessing. It's talking about this idea of speaking. And when we speak words of blessing over our children in worship, over family members, over friends, over the sick that are in the hospital, there's a number of other situations where it could be so powerful, so valuable. When we do so, it is a reminder to us and to them of the presence of God. Because as we speak blessing, God blesses. And God uses us to be the tool or the mouthpiece in order to do so. It's not us that carries that power. It's God that carries that power. And he works when we do so. In the article, it talks about what, what's known as the, the ironic blessing. Aaron is the name that it comes from. So the ironic blessing. And Jackie read pieces of that. Jackie, what version did you read that from? Say that one more time. From the Living Bible, um, the original Living Bible, the older one, yeah? I'm sure it was, because it didn't read like mine, so I'm sure it was. Um, it's a, it was a really beautiful uh, version of that. Let me read it to you, um, the entire thing from Numbers chapter 6. And this is in the translation I typically use. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel with this special blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name, I myself will bless them or God's words over that. The scriptures show us that, that Aaron and Moses believed that these words of blessing carried incredible power. The scriptures show us that, that God believed that they're speaking these words of blessing carried with it incredible power. And we even see that the scriptures show us that Jesus believed there was such power in this that he continued to do the same work of speaking blessing over others. In Mark chapter 10 verse 16, we find Jesus speaking words of blessing. It says, then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. There is something special that happens. There is something sacred that happens when we pass blessing onto others. And I think that's true when it's words of blessing. 
I think that's true when it's actions of blessing. I think that's true when it's relationships that pass on blessing to others. We have been given this incredible authority, this incredible privilege, this unbelievable power to take the blessing that God has given to us and to pass it on to others. It's the exact same promise that we see in the book of Genesis that God made to Abram, who we usually refer to as Abraham, the new name that he's given. But in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Abraham served as this model for all of the future people of God that would come. Those in the Old Testament and those in the New Testament and those today. He served as this model of what it meant for us, for them, for him to be blessed, to be a blessing to others. In Genesis chapter 48, the story that we read earlier. We see another great story of passing on blessing. In some ways, that story can be a bit confusing. There's some jumps that happen as it kind of goes back and forth with regards to different things that's taking place. There's some some biblical traditions that perhaps not all of us are familiar with as we read the story and try and understand what's going on in all of it. Things like this idea of uh, we, we frequently see the, the passing on of what belongs to the oldest being passed to the youngest instead. And there's all kinds of things that are happening in that or perhaps being said or communicated in that. There are also significant things that original hearers would have grasped that perhaps we don't understand or catch or, or recognize what's going on. Things like the, the 12 tribes that were needing to be represented and what it meant for, for Ephraim and Manasseh to be pulled up this way to represent the 12th tribe. This morning I want to do something that is typically a really, really bad idea. We're going to skip all the details of what's going on in that passage, which we should almost never do. But we're not going to look into those details or those contexts, and I'm not going to explain what's happening and all those pieces that are a bit confusing this morning. I simply want to notice the story. The story tells us that there's a grandfather who was dying. So his favored son came to visit him before he died. And he brought with him his own beloved sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And as one of the final acts that this grandfather performed, he wanted to bless these grandsons of his. He wanted to pass to them the blessing that God had given him. Apparently there was some some question over them and whether or not they had any right in the inheritance that God would pass on to God's people. Because their mother was an Egyptian and not an Israelite, there was question as to whether or not they were included. So Jacob had this desire to remove from them any question. There would be no question that these were sons of God as he took over uh, possession of them, as he made them his own sons. So as it talks about Joseph taking his his right hand and pushing his youngest up to Jacob's left hand, and he took his youngest and he passed him up to Jacob's right hand because the oldest should be at the right hand and the youngest should be at the left hand. We're told that Jacob hugged these boys and then he reached out to bless them, but he crisscrossed his arms. Again, one of those old, kind of Old Testament things that's taking place, but he crisscrossed his arms and then he blessed Ephraim and Manasseh, and he passed on to them the blessing that God had put 
in him. And this morning, as we reflect on that story and we think about that story, intentionally, my focus is going to be in speaking to dads or speaking to men as we carry on this series we've been in on being church at home. And this morning, we talk about being dad. There are statistics out there that claim pretty clearly that a child who grows up without a father... So no father at all or a child who grows up where dad is absent from home has a much more difficult life, much more difficult time moving on in life than, than children who have dad in the picture, who have dad at home with them. That the best chance for a successful life for kids is that both parents are present and actively involved in the life of the family. Now, hear something as we talk about dads this morning. I have no desire whatsoever to speak in some kind of disparaging fashion towards single moms. Because single moms have been heroes in the lives of their children. They have stepped up when voids have been left that shouldn't have been left. And they have served as heroes. So in no way do I intend to disparage that role or what's happened. But I do think that we see in the scriptures... That God's ideal is that mom and dad would be actively involved in passing on God's blessing to their children. And where we see that as the ideal, more often than not, what we, and I say more often than not, often we see mom willingly step into that role of passing on the blessing of God. And too often, dads have stepped out of the picture, have disappeared, or have taken a seat on the sidelines. Watching what takes place. Even when they're in the home, sometimes they've taken that role. So in no way is this morning or our talking about being dad a desire to be anti-mom. In absolutely no way at all. And if there's anything that even sounds that way, I apologize beforehand. Because in no way is that an intention that I have. And if you hear that, then I have poorly communicated what I intend to communicate. But today, I do want to very clearly and very boldly call men to step up into the challenge of parenthood. And I use the term men there rather than just dads because of the important reminder that we have that every single man in this room has been called to this position of being a father. Whether or not you have your own children... Whether or not you desire to have your own children or ever had your own children or had any interest in your own children, it doesn't matter. You have been called into this space of being dad. Inside our church, you have been called to this place of serving as spiritual fathers over all of our children. They are looking to you as dad or granddad or brother. They're looking to you as a part of their family. They are looking to you to be a father. And as a father of children in our congregation, I am crying out to you, please help me and father them well. But it's also true that both in our church and in the community, there are Tons of kids who don't have a dad in the picture. Who need us to be willing to step up and be fathers to them. To love them and to care for them. To show them what it means to live as men of faith. So that they too can one day grow to father others. Whether they're their own children or not. So that they can understand that they have responsibility to father well. To mentor well. So this morning, I want to speak to four ways in which I think we can 
actively pass on the blessing of God to children, whether they're our own children or they're not, that we as men, that we as dads can actively pass on blessing. And the truth is, dad, mom, whatever role you're in, this is pretty applicable. The first way that we can pass on blessing is that we pass on the blessing of a maturing faith in ourselves. Church going, calling that faith, but going to church is an insufficient model of what our kids need to see. Us even coming to church but being unwilling to be fully involved in the life of the church as men, unwilling to, to fully serve or be connected or, or participate in what's going on is an insufficient model of what it means to model for our children living in faith. So very often men... I'm going to step on your toes a little bit. I don't intend to step on moms. I'm stepping all over yours. Ours. Too often, the model that we see of men in the sanctuary looks a little bit like this. Are you ready? Dick just stood up back there. He thought I was talking about him. And then we start singing songs and it looks a little more like this. Friends, you don't have to like any of the songs that we sing. You don't have to love them. But men, we need to sing out boldly. I don't care what tune you sing. I don't care what rhythm you sing. Wendy might care a little bit, but I don't care at all. Mike says he cares. But we are not mentoring young musicians to grow up and one day be musical. We are trying to show our sons and our daughters what it means to be people of faith. And we need to model for them that we love Jesus so boldly that we're willing to worship him in public. Even if we look foolish, even if we don't sound the way that someone next to us sounds, we need to model that we are willing to worship Jesus in public. And at the same time, we need to show that we're willing to worship Jesus in private. Thankfully, there are a whole lot of children that have become lovers of Jesus because they saw it in mom. Which is wonderful. Thank you, ladies. But men, it is time for us to rewrite the story. Not writing moms out of the story, but showing them a mom and a dad who are deeply in love with Jesus. Showing them men who love Jesus so deeply that we're willing to spend time in prayer. Showing them men who love Jesus so deeply that we're willing to lead our family in prayer. Showing them men, dad, who loves Jesus so deeply that we take personal spiritual retreats. Showing them dads who love Jesus so deeply that we serve around the church and in our community because we believe that Jesus has called us to do so. Showing them a dad who loves Jesus so deeply that we practice Sabbath and other spiritual disciplines believing that it will help us become more like Jesus. Showing them dad who loves Jesus so deeply that we lead other people to faith. 
showing them a dad who loves Jesus so deeply that we talk about Jesus at least as much as we talk about the Orioles or the Ravens or the most recent Marvel movie that came out. Our children need to see men who are deeply in love with Jesus. We have this opportunity to pass on to them the blessing of being deeply and intimately in love with Jesus. And the only way we can ever get there is if we are investing in our own maturing faith. And then allowing them to see that in us. On the good days and the bad days. Allowing them to see that we are maturing in our faith and in our desire to be deeply in love with Jesus. All right, the second thing is that we need to pass on the blessing of showing our passion for mom. If you remember in the sermon on this series where we talked about being married, we read the the quote from Pete Scazzaro that comes in his Emotionally Healthy Works, and it's spread throughout several of the works, but it says this. It says, you, make, you must make marriage your first ambition, your first passion, and your loudest gospel message. Gentlemen, our children need to see dads who are passionate about their mother. And I say passionate about, not tolerate. And when I talk about our passion, I'm not talking about simply having a passion for sex or the female body or women in general. I'm talking about us showing a deep, loving passion for mom and no one else. Our sons and daughters need to see that we are deeply passionate about their mother. Our sons need to see this because it is in this that we give them the understanding that women are not objects to manipulate or abuse or take advantage of. They're to be treated with respect and honor and dignity. They need to see in us that their mother above all. Everyone else receives our love and our passion and our expressions of love. That we have reserved this for our marriage and for nowhere else. Nowhere before, nowhere after, and nowhere else. Only mom receives this. Our daughters need to see us show passionate love for mom because they need to see what it looks like to be deeply loved by their husband. They need to see what it means to, for us to love one woman deeply and passionately. Our daughters should be so in awe of the way that we love mom that one day if they look to get married, they settle for absolutely nothing less than that because that's the only model that they've seen as ideal. They need us to show them what it means for men who love Jesus to love their wives well. Wouldn't it be beautiful if our daughters one day long for a man who loves them as deeply as they saw dad love mom? Can you imagine how this might change this pervasive sexism that has dominated our society? If they actually see dad love mom in a passionate way. 
Can you imagine the ways that this might change all the sexual abuse stories that we keep hearing all over the news? This sexual abuse that has become so rampant everywhere. Can you imagine how this alone might bring drastic change into that? Can you imagine how dad loving mom passionately might alter this dominant hookup culture that has come to exist all around us and all the ramifications that come with it? Just by passing on the blessing of showing them the passionate love that we have for mom. A third way is that we can pass on the blessing of presence. Not ENTS. Don't mistake that one. Not presence like gifts. Presence like being there and being around them. Obviously, our income is important. So it's important that we work hard because part of what we do as men and our family is to make sure that we're helping provide. And yet, our children aren't formed by how much money we do make or do not make. Our children are not formed by the things that we buy them with the money we make. Our children are not formed by the multitude of activities that we put them in with the money that we've earned in working so hard. Our children are most substantially formed by us simply by our willingness to be present in their lives. Our children need to see a dad who's willing to play with them. A dad who's willing to ask questions about their day and their difficulties and their joys and their faith. A dad who is involved in their homework and their bath time and their bedtime. A dad who shows up at ball games and at recitals and at school plays and at PTO meetings. A dad who is just as present as mom is. Even though the roles and responsibilities may differ, and that's fine. They need to see in us that we are just as committed, just as involved, and just as present as mom. Raising kids is not something moms do. It's something parents do. And we're 50% of that equation. And it is time for us to take on that responsibility. And one of the significant ways we do so is simply by being present. All right, a fourth thing, and it is clearly connected to the other, is that we pass on the blessing of focus. It's actually not that hard for us to be present and distracted. Some of us have gotten really good at being present and yet still our minds being a million miles away. Some of us have figured out how to be home, but still at work. Figured out how to be in the room, but it's possible no one would even notice that we're there. Going to a ball game is great. But there's a difference in us being present at a game and us being focused on a game. When we're present at the game, it often means that we sit in the bleachers and play on our phone. When we're present at a game, it sometimes means that we're fueling our own desires for some type of success through our children and what our children are or are not doing on the court or on the field. That, that's, that's just being present. When we're present, we're overly consumed with how the referees and the umpires are or are not doing the job that we expect of them. So we find ourselves yelling at them and chewing them out because somehow we feel like we've shown our presence in that. 
but what it actually means for us to be focused is that while we're there, we're joining in the joy of our child. That we recognize the joy in them, that we take joy in them when they hit the ball, when they score a goal, when they shoot an air ball. Even if they're playing with butterflies in the field and not playing to the game, we find joy in that. This competitive father is going to struggle with that so much. But it is not about what I want or where I find joy. It's about where he finds joy and where she finds joy. So if it's in playing with a butterfly in the field, then I need to recognize the joy that is present in their eyes and focus on them and what is happening. What is it that brings light to their eyes? I need to celebrate what brings them joy. That's the difference in being present and being focused. When you and I are focused as dads, it means that we look them in the eye. When we're focused, it means that we turn off the television. When we're focused, it means that we leave our laptops in the bag. We put our cell phones away at the dinner table. There's a multitude of ways in which we could focus. And, and, and I'm not trying to push too far and saying that means you should just get rid of all your televisions and throw them away. No. There are times that it's okay for our kids to wait. But it's not always. Because they need to receive the blessing of our focus. They are crying out for it. Daddy, watch. Daddy, listen. Daddy, let's play. And they need us to pass on the blessing of being focused. We've been given this great opportunity to pass on blessing to our children. And friends, this is exactly the same thing that Jesus has done for us. The scriptures tell us that God loved us so deeply that God chose to come and live among us. In the person of Jesus, Jesus chose to come and walk around humans, to live here in our midst, to show us what it meant to be deeply focused. On each and every person that he came in contact with. To show us what it meant to be present. To show us how to have a deep passion for the people that he loves. To show us how to grow in wisdom and in stature and in a maturing faith. Jesus came and he modeled for us what it means to love well. Jesus came and he showed us that we are loved. And then after modeling it for us, he passed on the exact same thing that was passed on to Abram and to Jacob and to Aaron. He blessed us with the opportunity to bless others. So now we have this opportunity as mother and as father to pass on blessing to our children, whether they're our children by birth or by adoption or by spiritual discipling or by influence in our community, that we get to pass on this blessing to them through our focus and our presence and our passion for mom and our maturing faith. We get this beautiful privilege. So listen again as I speak the words of blessing from Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor 
and give you his peace. And now each of you, dads, men especially, you have been blessed. Now go and be a blessing to the children in your life. Pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for the great blessing that you have cast over us. And now give us courage to go and be men and women who pass on that blessing to others. And most especially to the children in our lives. This morning I pray for dads in the room. And I pray that we would be a great source of blessing in the lives of our children. And that through our blessing over them, that they would grow to become great men and women of faith. In the legacy of their mother and their father who has passed on the blessing of God's love and grace to them. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.